You know what I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Feed with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. As you can see, everyone is very excited about us being back. Uh, my name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. And yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. I remembered to push the record button first time out, so <laughs> we're good on that score. Um, crazy, uh, you know, we're still all indoors we're still under uh, house arrest or whatever you want to call it. Kids are still being homeschooled. Are you? How are you dealing with trying to, you know, keep the the kids from forgetting everything they've learned? Well, it's really weird. Only today did we actually get actual plans from our schools, and uh, it's it's it, there's no like uh, one of them is like through an email. The other one. Like through uh, this thing called Remind, and yet another one through like a website. They're like, there's no cohesion to the whole thing. You know, you think you'd like, all right, go to this website, and then you can find a video here. You know, supplements here, but it's really not like that. It seems like each teacher, like, was told to come up with their own <laughs> entirely individual plan as right. to how to uh, homeschool the kids. Yeah, it's funny. We got we got an email or a text message actually from the school district the other day, and all it said was. Uh, we're going for people that can't afford uh, devices to learn from home. We're going to uh, be giving devices out. Uh, so click here to apply for one of these devices. But they don't say anything. There was there was no other information. They didn't say what the device was. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I, I it was it's so confusing. It sounded very uh, dystopian <laughs> to me. Right. Yeah, it's weird because there's like only like two months left, anyways, in the school year at this point, if that. So it's like they're gonna like start shipping shit out to people. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I think that uh, you know what I've been doing, just uh, letting them watch educational programming, like um, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> the Breakfast Club. Yeah, the Breakfast Club, and and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead and stuff like that. I think that's. Class of 1999. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the way to go. You know, lean on me. Yeah, what's that? Dangerous Minds. Another one. Yeah, Dad, what's the H and I see? <laughs> well, you didn't watch the movie closely, <laughs> so I think you're getting an F. <laughs> yeah, if you'd paid attention to your context clues, you would know. Did you even know that somebody was beating up Kid Ray? Nope. Wow. Yeah. What a failure. But anyway, so uh, yep. I guess we'll move on to the uh, the IMDb game guide or whatever. The You know what I'm talking Guide game. Yeah. The IMDb guide game. It's the parents guide game. So, Mike. Are you sure? <laughs> your first clue is uh, under sex and nudity. There's also some kissing. <laughs> um, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Oh, that's very close. Um, all right, let's go to profanity. Uh, a use of cojones, which is a vulgar word for testicles in Spanish. <laughs> Thanks for the 
that lesson. Um, constant cussing throughout the film. Fuck in all forms. Dozens of times. Shit repeatedly. Lesser forms of swearing. Jesus. Christ. Goddamn. Hell. Bastard. Ass. Intermittently from beginning to end. One use of prick. 15 uses of fuck. 47 uses of shit. And then it says in parentheses, repeatedly. I don't understand what that means. Three uses of son of a bitch. Lesser forms of swearing intermittently from beginning to end. Again, three uses of bastard, 30 uses of God, six uses of Jesus, and one use of Christ. Not not sure if that's together with Jesus. Uh, one use of hell, seven uses of goddamn, three uses of ass, and four uses of asshole. I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear that. Could you repeat that? <laughs> uh, true romance. Oh, nope. Drugs you didn't and- say it inward, so it's probably not a Quentin Tarantino joint. True. Uh, yeah, there's no speech about um, about Sicilians. Uh, let's see. Drugs and alcohol and smoking. Uh, at a gala, uh, attendees formally drink champagne. Uh, both of the... Guests of honor clearly get drunk at the end of the party. Several other people drink alcohol and a few people smoke there at the party. Eyes wide shut. No. Frightening and intense scenes. That, that movie sucked, huh? He, uh, he's <laughs> going to try and have sex with one prostitute who like some very aggressive prostitute <laughs> and he misses out on it, but she had AIDS. Oh, really? And eyes wide shut. Yeah. You didn't see that movie? No, I haven't seen it. Well, it's pretty good, especially if you like really elaborate, formal orgy scenes. <laughs> that is if, one... if that's the case, you're in for a treat. Yeah, that's one of my fetishes. Like uh, like uh, Louis C.K. says that we'll talk about later. Now everyone knows my thing. <laughs> uh, let's see. Frightening and intense scenes. Uh, the whole film is full of deadly peril. <laughs> Which can be frightening, suspenseful, and intense to teens and children. As the plot, I can't tell you because it explains what the plot is. Um, and yeah, I can't, I can't say the is rest. This of the it. Movie, is this the movie? Is this movie Ghost Ship? No. Oh. <laughs> what's what's so funny? It sounds very similar to Ghost Ship. It might be pretty similar to Ghost Ship. Uh, let's see more sex and nudity. Um, oh man, this is going to give it away too. Um, all right. I'll just say it though. Uh, as the hostages are rescued off the elevator, a woman's dress rides up and her thong and most of her butt is seen. Huh? That, that didn't help actually. Um, oh. is this uh, resident evil? No. Um, let's see. Speed? Yeah, it's speed. <laughs> oh, okay. The rest of this thing says, um, <laughs> I love this this uh, this phrase, by the way. Uh, the whole film is full of deadly peril. Uh, as the plot is about a bus that will blow up if it travels under 50 miles per hour after it travels at over 50. You thought that would give it away? Yeah, I thought maybe that would give, the- <laughs> give away the ghost there. <laughs> Ghost ship. I'm so I'm still going with ghost ship. Yeah, ghost ship. You can't fool me. Ghost ship's pretty close, right? I don't know what that's about. But... 
What's Ghost Ship? I, I could have sworn you seen that movie. It's a movie with uh, Julianne Margulies. Julianne Margulies. I mean, I, I know who that is. And they're on a ship, and there's a bunch of ghosts on the ship. <laughs> there's a goddamn ghost in it. Maybe I have seen it, like, a long time. I've seen a lot of bad movies that I've forgotten about. Yeah, that's that's true. Ghost Ship. Oh, no. Now I got the skeptical skeptics. Well, unfortunately, my MDB clues are for Ghost Ship. <laughs> oh, hey, the, the poster of Ghost Ship is 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 great. It's just, it looks like the Titanic, but it's got a skull face on it. Yeah, that represents a ghost. Oh, Gabriel Byrne. And uh, let's see. Yeah, he's in there, too. Uh, Isaiah Washington. Oh, Carl, I like Carl Urban. Uh, Italian Ocean Liner, the Antonio Grazzi. Yeah, I probably saw this. I probably saw this on VHS or, or DVD way back when. Probably. Is Omar Are you ready? Epps in it? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I don't think Omar Epps is in there. No, I think it's just, despite the title, it's uh, it is unrelated to the 1952 film of the same name. Oh. The poster difference between the 2002 ghost ship and the 1952 ghost ship is amazing. It's just, it says ghost ship in spooky wavy letters. <laughs> nice. Oh, it looks ridiculous and campy. Uh, all right, I'm ready. All right. Six Sour P226. A Six Sour P... What did you say? Six Sour P226. Is that James Bond's gun? Um, I will say Goldeneye. This will probably get a, give it away. Uh, Breda 93R. Oh, okay. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. This is imfdb.com. I'm on the wrong site. Just a second, please. <laughs> the, the internet database of firearms. Yes. What is... Uh, oh, I would probably do better. Uh, I, we went by that site. Oh, James Bond uh, is the, to Walther, right? PB. Yeah, yeah. All right, the main character is seen lying on the couch with an open bottle of liquor next to have been drinking quite a lot. Leaving Las Vegas? No. Oh, okay. The same character appears at a bar and asks for a doers with seven aspirin back. Um, leaving Las Vegas? <laughs> no. Nicholas Cage. Uh, oh, never <laughs> A female character dances somewhat provocatively with her shirt tied up, revealing her belly. Hmm. Jay and Silent Bob strike back. No. Elizabeth Chu. <laughs> okay. During a conference call, the signals get crossed and a dominatrix-themed sex service ends up on the line. She mentions dominating and being dominated. What a hoot. 
Oh my god. Um. Hmm. Is this the Jerky Boys? No. Okay. <laughs> hey, Chisel Chess. It's not the sequel either. Right. Uh, do you remember? Uh, you saw the Jerky Boys movie, right? I saw them like uh, at home. I didn't see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. My favorite was. Uh, Hi, my name is Saul Rosenberg, <laughs> and I bought glasses from you four days ago. Alex used to love that shit. Hey, you know the movie uh, The Jerky Boys? You you said you saw it, right? Yeah. I've seen it. Well, you know, like at the, you know, like at the very end when he's on the phone and he's like talking to like, uh, you know, like uh, President Clinton? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just an actor. <laughs> That's not the actual President Clinton? No, I found that out a few years ago. It's actually just like an actor. Oh, I thought it was really... Pre- That's just disappointing. It's really sad. I thought it was actually President Clinton. What are you, a sizzle chest? <laughs> Get Brett Weir. <laughs> there was something so, I don't know, like wholesomely innocent about, but, you know, but like. He was trying to get him into a three-way. <laughs> exactly. It was like, that was, I think that maybe that was like the last, like, Oh, we're doing something we shouldn't. We we're not supposed to be, but it's like it's still. It's just a. It's such innocent mischief. Oh man! Speaking of innocent mischief, I, I actually brought a story today. Mm-hmm. You want to hear it? Yeah. This I I've kind of heard this person before too. I got it off Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Snapchat, Mark? Yes, I'm familiar with uh, the Snap. Although I uh, I was in a play several years ago, and. Uh, I I was the old person in the play and there were several young kids in there and we went out to after the first rehearsal we went out to Applebee's and they they were all talking about Snapchat and I didn't know what it was at the time and I said you know I don't want to be this guy but what the hell is Snapchat and they all laughed but they were they were so eager to show me they were like oh let me show you how to do it like download your phone and yeah they were very they were very excited to show me what Snapchat was that's a really a wholesome story there, Mark. <laughs> Are you familiar with... Uh, well, obviously you're familiar with YouTube prankster Vitaly Zdarovetsky. Of course, yes. Uh, 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 frequent pranker, yes. YouTube prankster Vitaly Zdarovetsky was arrested Sunday for a tacky woman in Florida. Holy shit! The 28-year-old Russian-American allegedly jumped out and tackled a woman who was jogging by herself in Miami Beach. What a prank! The way told, the way told police that Zdorovetsky uh-huh. straddled her and repeatedly punched her in the chest and face. Oh God! That woman was in a fight she did not sign up for. The victim told police that she screamed for help during the attack, which is witnessed by several passerby and residents. He eventually stopped hitting her and ran back inside a nearby house where he was arrested. I mean, what a prankster! Yeah. It was later. She's always never seen or met him before. <laughs> the video was later uploaded to YouTube, where it got uh, ten thousand views or ten million views or whatever. Ten, ten million is probably more, more likely. Um. Oh my God! How how horrifying. There's a there's a similar story actually. I don't know if you're uh if you are aware of who Ezra Miller is. 
Yeah, yeah, that was uh, pretty uh, kind of funny just because he's like one of those like super woke uh, kind of people, you know? Yes. Like I have no sexuality or I have all the sexualities. Yep. I don't know. Yep, he is exactly one of those people. And apparently he got... The Flash, more like the Flash in the pan, (laughs) am I right? Actually, he's been around for a while. But uh, yeah, he got caught punching a woman in a bar, apparently. You know what they say about justice? It's it's better than Ezra. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, so... A uh, big weekend for uh, men beating the shit out of women <laughs> randomly <laughs> and putting it on v- video. So good. I think that Ezra Miller guy was like in like Sweden or one of those shit countries, and it was like uh, like they, just everybody was still out like at a bar because they don't have like a quarantine type thing. Right. Yeah. Sweden doesn't give a shit about coronavirus. That when when you when you're living in dark for twenty three hours out of every day and you're eating uh, salted you fish, it. yeah, you're just like, oh, bring on. You have to fuck reindeer just to find something to do. Yep, bring on the coronavirus, please, to to Sweden, Sweden specifically. Oh, Damn. Oh uh, no, everyone stay safe in Sweden. I guess. Or one listener there be safe. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else can fuck off, but you. We're talking specifically to you, the one person in Sweden. Uh, I, I will, I will tell you to be safe in your native language. Their language really does sound like that. It's very sing-songy. Yeah, Swedish is very a very sing-songy language. All right. Well, there's no overt violence or gore. The movie is set at a military training camp, so many characters fire and carry weapons, stab into dummies with bayonets, and shout words like "kill." A military training camp, but there's no. Uh, so it's not child's play, the like child's play three or whatever, because there's no. no overt violence. Uh no. stripes. No, I I am not a Bill Murphy fan. I know. I know, David Swayze and Bill Murphy, if they ever did a movie together. (laughs) I'd be really bad. (laughs) Oh, he's such a great dramatic actor, and he's so funny. Right. To both. (laughs) A few students get into mild altercation. Hmm. All right. It's a military academy. They're getting into some mild altercations here. There's some shenanigans going on. People are drinking. Uh, I will say school ties. No, that's not a academy though. Hmm. Simulating fighting and killing during a stage production of Henry V. What the fuck? <laughs> you would think I'd know it from these clues. <laughs> a stage production of Henry V, but they're at a military academy as well. Um, yeah, it's possible you haven't seen this, I guess. I mean, I guess, but I probably have. Uh, let's see. Toy Soldiers. That, that is a uh, great guess, but no, it's not Toy Story. All right. Oh, Toy, toy Soldiers is what you mean there. What'd you say? I thought you said Toy Story because you were cut off, but I realized you... You must have said toy soldiers. I did. And that's also soldiers. not correct. Yeah. It, oh, wait. Is it Toy Story then? Toy Story. Wait, Toy Story 2. That's the one with Henry V. No. 
All right. <laughs> um, I actually, there might be all the clues. Let me, um, let me double check. There might be one more. Oh, yeah, here's one more. Okay. Um, a few characters discuss incest in the context of Hamlet, and a character mentions Hamlet's mother, quote unquote, giving up the punani to Uncle. Ooh. Okay. So, not really incest because it was by marriage, but um, hmm. You seem to already have an opinion on that one, Mark. Oh yeah, I have a solid opinion on. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. So they're talking about Shakespeare a lot, but they're at a military academy. Hmm. I mentioned there were students. Yeah, it's definitely not Shakespeare in love. Um. Hmm. Students. Studentins. Uh, man, I don't know. Um, I will say, oh, no, no, they're not in a military academy. I don't think, anyway. No. There'd be other things, too. If it, Scent of a woman's what I was thinking of, but there'd be other... It's not. There'd be other stuff in there. Ah! Shakespeare. How about I give you the, I'll give you the director's name. Okay. Penny Marshall. Oh, Okay. Um Hmm, that's So let's see. Movies she did. Actor's I... names uh Renaissance Man? You want to call Renaissance Man, yep. Oh, it's another Danny DeVito film. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we were doing Danny DeVito films. I have seen Renaissance Man too. I've seen got DeVito'd. I've seen most of Danny DeVito's films. Yeah. Alright, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, Renaissance man. Wow. Yeah, I got DeVito'd. <laughs> uh hey Mary Lou Henna, be on the show. Hey Penny, what are we doing at the scene? <laughs> hey, I can do a Penny Marshall impersonation too. Hey, Danny. Hey, Danny. <laughs> You're just standing over there. Same thing. <laughs> if you've ever smoked and lived in New York, that's the that's the impersonation. <laughs> oh, good one. Yes. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about uh, this week because we've watched many a thing. Uh, Mike, let's start with, let's, uh, let's start with the worst thing first. <laughs> so, uh, for me anyway, that's going to be the film. <laughs> Mike and I, yeah, I can see that. Mike and I saw the hunt. Um, we, uh, we either paid $20 for it or I don't know. We saw it some way. No, no judgments to anybody if you uh, if you pay twenty dollars for the movie, but it's not worth twenty dollars. So, Mike, yeah, I, I would agree with that. You don't agree? You liked the movie? No, I'd agree with that, but I do like the movie. Okay. Um. So, I don't. I didn't know exactly what to think of this movie. I guess uh, you guys mostly should probably know what it's about. It's the it's the liberals are, are hunting conservatives movie. So 
there's the rich elite liberals and they're hunting the conservative like rednecks basically and one thing like this is what i didn't understand the tone of the film is weird and and jarring to me because it's it's i guess it's supposed to be a satire because like there are scenes with yeah sort of there are scenes with the liberals that are they're all sitting around and they're and they'll be like uh Oh, but um, you know, don't uh, you're appropriating culture there, and so and and it's not re- like maybe some liberals talk to each other that way, like have a normal conversation that way in real life, face to face. But I, I I don't think a lot of them do. And then it's the same thing with the conservatives, where uh, where they're like, oh, you're uh, you know, like you're a crisis actor, or um, you know, they're talking about. Uh, you know how? Yeah, they kind of like. There's a thing kind of like Pizzagate the movie. Yes. Where it's uh, is it Mannergate, I believe. Yes, that's what it's called, Mannergate. So let's just explain a little bit. Um, so the very opening scene is uh, they're on a plane, and uh, Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny in Philadelphia is like some you know kind of wealthy snob guy. He's uh ordering caviar on the plane, and he's like, "Oh, you've never had caviar, have you?" To the stewardess. Right. Um, all of a sudden, like some kind of like a guy in like overalls comes out, and he's like, he looks like he's all like kind of like staggering about. Uh, he was drugged. A uh, doctor, uh, you know, goes up to him and he just kills him there. He goes, "Oh, you weren't supposed to wake up." So it's like the the wealthy elite are, uh, you know, like you said, it's exactly like these, uh, you know, famous liberals um, are hunting these, uh, you know, conservative redneck types. And then we get to, uh, they they, they kind of um, do they parachute? I don't remember how they get out. Get out. I think they no, they must land and then like kind of drug them again and then. They wake up. It's 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 very similar in a lot of ways to similar murder game type movies. Mm-hmm. So it's not an overt game. It's more like uh, the movie. Um, what's the one with the Van Double Impact? No, not Double. Oh, shit, I'm an idiot. I don't remember the name. The Van Dan movie where he uh, he gets hunted. Oh, uh, fuck! We did that one time on uh, Guess the Plot. Uh, way way yeah. a long time ago. Uh, I know. I, 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 I uh, this is really getting you to annoy me. It's the first um, John Woo movie in America. Hard, hard target. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, hard target. It's very similar in that respect. Um, it's also similar to the Hunger Games because they open this big crate. And there's just weapons everywhere, and when they're grabbing the weapons, all of a sudden people just start firing at them. It kind of also um, reminds a- me of the movie Predators. Did you ever see Predators with? Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say it's similar to that. Adrian Brody. Um, yeah. Yeah, I watched it again recently, and I liked it more than when I originally saw it. But I mean. I think I have to watch it again to really like get a good idea of how I really feel about that movie because I didn't like it in the theaters. Yeah, but it wasn't bad when I rewatched it. I think it's a I think it's a decently solid movie. Uh, I think it's yeah, it, I think it's, it's probably fine. the best Predator prequel or Predator Predator sequel. Yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah, um, um I, they just they just yeah. wake up like we we they the camera closes in on um Julia Roberts' niece, aka Eric Roberts' daughter um emily roberts i think and and then we see her again but she's emma, in, I believe. yeah yeah emma that's right emma roberts but she's okay, uh, I, thought that was familiar. I wasn't sure who it was i thought she was gonna be the star of the movie <laughs> like i like i was because i saw i saw her mostly just her in the the trailer and stuff like that so i thought she was gonna be the star of the movie and that was one of the things that i liked at the beginning was they keep following these people and it's like, so, you know, obviously spoilers for this movie, but you know, they wake up, like you said, they open this crate, a pig comes out 
and and they're and they're like, what the fuck? And then this guy, uh, and also they've got these things on their faces uh, that are there's a key in their you know they're they're uh, like gags on their faces so they can't uh, talk to each other, and they wheel this thing out and it's a bunch of guns. So they start loading up, you know, they start like handing out guns to each other. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Emma Roberts has found the key, so she you know, unlocks the one guy's thing. He unlocks her thing and they're all unlocking stuff. And she's like, what's, um, you know, what's going on? And all of a sudden her fucking head explodes because she gets taken out by a sniper. And I was like, Oh, sweet. Like I, so any one of them can die. That's, that's cool because she's kind of like a known yeah, person. Yeah. I thought she was true. Yeah. It was almost, yeah, go ahead. It, it was obviously, I think it was, a, you know, a testament to both Scream and Psycho. Scream, of course, being like, you know, a tribute to Psycho, where like mm-hmm. the biggest actor in the whole movie, um, I, I guess you could argue that Glenn Howerton is more famous. I don't know. Yeah. But she's just like, you know, really disposed of it. And then there's a whole sequence of people like, getting taken. You keep, you know, like you said, you keep thinking they're going to follow somebody, and then that person gets killed. And it's like a really elaborate, like, you know, series of violent events. Yeah, I really liked the opening. I, I thought, oh, yeah, it, was, it was good. There was some stuff that was, you know, again, the Emma Roberts thing, you know, was a surprise, but it was, it's been done before. I think the the mask things with the keys are kind of like something from Saw. I would yeah. think, yeah, something like that. It, it was a good opening sequence, so I, I did enjoy it. And then, so we follow. We finally settle on a group of people for a minute, anyway, uh, and they escape to this gas station. And uh, they they go in, uh, they start talking. <laughs> it's the like one of them's like, oh, uh, you know, I'm from New York. Uh, the other one's like, I'm from Florida. And he looks. Yeah, the, exa- clerk, the clerks are an old married couple. I think so. Where are we? Yeah, I'm sorry. He looks. He looks exactly like someone from like a cliche of someone from Florida. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, they say they're in Arkansas, and they're all like, oh, fucking Arkansas. And I'm thinking, like, is Arkansas that much worse than Florida? <laughs> That's a good question. It seemed a weird, um, it seemed a weird way to react. But um, one of them starts uh, starts kind of like like choking, like foaming at the mouth. She's been she's been walking around eating some donuts and stuff at the store. You know, the one guy's calling the calls nine one one, and he's like, "Hey, you know, people are trying to kill us and everything." Uh, it's this manor gate. They keep mentioning this manor gate stuff. He's like, it's this, it's this manor gate people. These rich people. They're they're getting together and they're trying to kill us. And nine one was once like, yeah, um, of of course we'll send somebody out. Like it's very like obvious. Yeah, anyone yeah. could tell that that's like, oh, I'm not really talking to nine one one. So she starts dying, and they're all like, what? The yeah, fuck's- they look over. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Just, yeah, they look over and the old couple are wearing like, you know, full like uh you know, like gas masks. Yeah, they look like they're getting ready for uh you know Nuremberg or something. Or grocery shopping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Grocery shopping in 2020. Oh, right. But uh yeah, they they throw this lethal gas and uh the people start dying, and then they have you know it's revealed, obviously, that they're they're part of this as well. And they start having this incredibly unbelievable conversation, like I said, where they're like, you know, he says something like, um, he's like, oh, you know, you know, a black guy or something like that. And she's like, 
African American, and he's like, no, it's okay to call them blacks now. And she's like, S- says who? NPR, which is full of white people. <laughs> and like, it's just, I don't know. It's it's like maybe some people have conversations like this, but it's it very unrealistic. I think conversation. these conversations entirely are online. Yeah, I agree. If people do talk like this, but like you said, online, not face to face like this, but I'm thinking that that it's meant to be this way. It's like it's, you know, hyper realistic to prove. I see that's not true. I've seen many I've seen many videos of people acting just like this in public, and it's just very cringy. Well, maybe it's a maybe it's a generation thing, though, then, because I mean, or or just the bubble that I that I live in, because I don't speak like this with my friends. Oh, no, but, I, but I've seen people like, on, you know, in videos online, like emulating like online, like speak as if it's like how people in reality speak. Oh, God, it was pretty funny. It was like some guy at like a uh, some meeting or something. And he's like, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I feel comfortable with, uh, you know, a woman uh, being in charge of this just because, uh, you know, it, the majority, it was really weird. The conversation, he's like, oh, the majority are women and therefore it's reversed. Like a proper- I, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So they have this and then uh, there's like another scene where they're on a train and mm-hmm. like, it's like this woman who's traveling with like this ultra real, like, you know, hyper aggressively conservative uh, manor gate and even mentions pizza gate. Uh, as well, uh, type, uh, and he's a podcaster, of course. Hail. Um, so they hop on a train. Viva la podcasts. <laughs> right. Yeah, they hop on a train, and there's like an, you know, there's a uh, family on there, and he's like, oh, they're, they're, they're crisis actors. You know, he starts going on and on about that, and all of a sudden the, the train stops by the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get taken off, and then uh, one of the one of the other passengers, he like goes over, he goes, hey, he goes, hey, I'm, I'll, don't worry, I'll get you guys back to where we're supposed to be, be at, and then I get the first crack at you, so and then this guy starts freaking out. Um, he, he has a grenade somehow, and he drops it down the guy who says he's going to, you know, hunt him down his shirt. Mm-hmm. He explodes, which is a pretty crazy uh, sequence, and mm-hmm. they uh, they escape. Yep. Um, well, it's honestly, a lot of this movie is just kind of like a blur to me. It's just like a bunch of violent sequences, like on top of violent sequences. Yeah, I should point out that we meet our main character, who is, uh, she's probably most famous for the, the Netflix show Glow. Um, she's Liberty something, Liberty Bell, I think is her name on the show or her wrestler name on that show, I guess. But she, I guess she, um, she goes into the gas station and she doesn't buy it for a second. That's that they're in Arkansas because she orders a pack of cigarettes and they cost more. She charges them more than they would cost in Arkansas. And uh, so she grabs. Yeah, she figures it out immediately. Yeah, she grabs the gun and uh, kills them. She says later that uh, she was. Uh, she's a veteran of Afghanistan, so she's been in the military. She's had training uh, and everything. And she, yeah, she goes outside, and there's a car. She peels up the license plate and realizes it's actually like a fake Arkansas plate over what is some kind of European tag. She can't quite. Fit. Right. And so when the military gets them, her her and uh, my name is Earl, uh, Ethan Suplee. Um, is that who that was? Yeah, that's yeah, that's Ethan Suplee. Oh wow, yeah, I wasn't under. I, see, I thought it looked like him at first, but I didn't think it was him. So I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, that guy's like super jacked now, but he um, like even better looking, like even uh, like leaner and more muscular than he is in this movie now. 
Yeah, isn't this movie a couple? Is it a couple years old or just a little bit old? I think it, I think it is a couple years old, and it got, it got delayed several times. Ironically, or stupidly, <laughs> Trump was like, you know, he was ultra against this movie and didn't want it to come out. But it's it's kind of more in in the favor of conservatives, I think, than it is in liberals. I mean, in the end. In the end, I think it doesn't. It. Do, I mean, we'll talk about. It. We'll talk about it when we get to the end and what I think the hero of the film actually represents. But um, so they they get abducted by the military, and then she kind of guesses. She's like, "I'm guessing we're either here, here, or here." And one of the here's turns out to be Croatia, which is where they are. Uh, and <clears throat> so she's like, "Yeah, you know, we um, we got uh, you know, we're being hunted by these uh, these people." They started shooting at us and they bring uh, this old guy, Ted, I think his name is. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, he said the same thing that that he's being hunted. And uh, this guy comes from the American embassy, supposedly, and says, you know, I'm here to uh, to get you out and all this stuff. Um, They separated her from Ethan Suplee. So it was her and the old guy. They get they get taken and he's driving along and he's asking a bunch of questions. He's being being very obvious where he's like, uh, so, you know, why do you think, uh, you know, they'd be doing this to you? And uh, the old guy's like, what, like, it's our fault. And he's like, no, no, I'm not victim blaming. <laughs> God forbid I wouldn't. Right. Do, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, there's a lot of references in the movie to like they have like a purpose or a reason why they kidnapped them and they want them to mm-hmm. say why, yeah. why it was. I, I'm not quite sure what the. Uh, ideas behind that yeah i don't i'm not exactly sure either but that's uh that is one of the things that they bring up uh, a lot so she figures out that he's you know he's one of them and she kicks him out of the car rolls over his head smashes it opens the trunk sees ethan supply there dead and says oh you know we're going back here and he's like the old guy's counting he's like so we're the only two left you know because he's counted up all the the people that were there so it's her and him and they drive to the compound where everyone is staying. And I think I'm trying to, Oh no, she's not there yet. The, the main character who is for some reason, it's like, like it's supposed to be this big reveal, I guess of who it, who it is, but she's also like in all the credits and stuff. So, I mean, I don't know, but I, maybe it would have been, if it, if it had been allowed to come out in the theaters, maybe it would have been a big reveal who it is. It, it's, um, Boys don't cry. What's her name? Uh, Hillary Swank. Yeah, Hillary Swank. Yeah. Oh, is that who that was? Yeah, she's the main the the main bad that guy. That didn't her at all. No, she's she's definitely she, they they did a lot with her makeup, but yeah, she she looks different huh. than normal. But anyway, so they uh, they go to the compound and uh, they basically take out all the the people there waiting at the compound, including this military guy that was hired to consult them. I guess he's been training them for like eight months. And then I think, I don't know if this is where we get the flashback or not. Um, but at some point we get a flashback that basically says, that basically lays out all, you know, w- why the movie's existing. And yeah, like this person, the, the main uh, bad guy, like she was like in online rumors about this thing called a uh, uh, manor gate where they claim she had a, a house in Connecticut where she would, you know, put poor people and conservatives out there and just hunt them down. 
And her, their, her job fired her because she wouldn't like apologize or resign, even though it was like a complete rumor. It was a joke, yeah. Yeah, they, like, just... they kind of like played into the joke, like some crazy conservative came up with something, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, they're joking to their friends about it. Mm-hmm. So all their friends had been, her, all her friends had been fired, so her place fired her as well, and they basically were all already wealthy to begin with, so they had like some consortium where they tried to find a, a group of suitable people to hunt, because like you said, the military consultant said they could, should only have a dozen at first. Yeah. Which seems like a lot, since there were less of them, of them than that, but then they, they, you know, they you show that all the people in there, like, uh, are these, you know, like they, they were these wealthy people who were friends and like you just decided to hunt humans. Um, the guy who was blown up in the train, he was actually like a, he, he pretended to be a refugee from Iran. He actually was from Iran. Right. But then they were joking that he was appropriating that, you know, a lot of those, you know, references and stuff flashing back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back and, and I thought, I actually thought this was a very good fight sequence between the two uh, ladies at the end. Like it was very realistic. It yeah. wasn't like, was hyper violent. Okay, I mean, you could see it. I, I mean, there was something at the end that was kind of ridiculous, but I mean, it's, it, it looked like a really, like almost like a Kill Bill, like uh, Uma Thurman and um, shit, I don't remember her name at the very Daryl beginning. Daryl Hannah? No. Um, Lucy Liu? No. Gab- uh, what's her name? Shit, I don't remember her name. Oh, um, you're talking about the, the, the first movie where they have that fight yeah. in the kitchen? Um, yes. Oh, what is her name? I she was in yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't think of her name off the top of my head. But I know I know what you're talking is about. Is she the one married to Dwayne Wade? Um, uh, maybe. Lisa not Lisa. Uh damn it. No. I can't think of her name. Gabrielle. It's not Gabrielle Union. Shit, what's her fucking name? But regardless, um, yeah, it's like it's very similar in quality to that fight. It's a long, prolonged knockdown drag out fight. Um mm-hmm. at the end of something well blade, like and they cut each other with the saw blades. And then um, as they're laying there, they kind of ask each other, like, uh, she goes, was that guy really, you know, was he really with you? Or was he, you know, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, I, I won't tell or whatever, you know. And then she goes, what about you? Because uh, the main character, she goes, yeah, actually, you got the wrong person. There's somebody who has the same name as me. I get her mail and stuff because she thought she was like this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, daughter of like, these deceased meth addicts and that kind of stuff. Right, and she goes. She goes. Was I right? She goes. Actually, no. That that wasn't me at all. Like I, I was being honest. It's not me. And then this is a weird sequence. I thought at first she had died. Uh-huh. Did you feel that way when you saw this? Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah, but then she's like, oh, "Okay, I'm good." She just like gets up like completely unscathed, and the other woman's like dead, I guess. And then she gets dressed and just kind of wanders off. Yeah, and then she goes to the plane that's waiting there, and she's like, "Hey, you know, um." Uh, I killed all the pe- all the assholes that you work for because they were trying to kill me. So just take me home. <laughs> and, the, and, and the she fl- and the same stewardess. She's like, "Oh, have you ever tried caviar?" She's like, "Oh, have a seat, have some." Right. Yeah, she tells this story too uh, to the to the old guy. You know, like after she kills the guy in the car, where she's like, she tells the story of the tortoise and the hare, basically. But then and she says her mom told her this when she was a kid. But then she adds on to it at the end. That after the race, the rabbit uh, breaks into the tortoise's house, uh, murders his children and wife, and then murders him because the rabbit always wins. And then when she's laying there and we think she's dying, uh, a rabbit like jumps into the house and she's like, oh, you know, and then that's what like gives her the impetus to get up. Now, I would have liked the movie a lot better if they had both just died. Like if they had just gone that route, they both died, you know, everything's like, and, and the, and the message was basically like, you know, Hey, 
you fucking morons, uh, you know, like being opposed all the time and, and fighting and never listening to each other and stuff like that, uh, you're going to eventually kill each other. That would have been a decent message. But I think, and I could be wrong, I think that the message of the movie is basically, here's the liberals, like way left liberals, uh, and they're terrible. And here's the conservatives, uh, way conservative, and they're also terrible. And our main character, because she wasn't the person that, uh, that Hillary Swank thought she was, I think she basically just represents, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, like, right. like I don't care about, uh, you know, what you're talking about. I, my life is more, is more important and more interesting than just who I voted for in the last election. And, and, you know, uh, if I think abortion should be legal or, or not, you like, you know, I think that's kind of what she represents and that's why she's the one that gets to win. That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I know I thought the movie, as far as you know, one of my favorite uh, genres is obviously mm-hmm. the uh, yeah futuristic murder games. This was kind of similar. I mean, it was a murder game. We'll call it. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I I think it's rewatchable. It's a movie that I wouldn't have to you know pay a lot of close attention. There's a lot of fun scenes in it though. It's uh, mm-hmm. it, as far as the genre goes, it, it, it's a decent entry. I would say. I'll give it that. It's rewatchable. I would probably watch it again. It's not. It's. I don't think the writing was as sharp as they intended. Like, there's yeah. not a lot of wry like jokes or mm-hmm. you know, really slick like you know, sarcastic commentary is few and far between. It's. I mean, the performances are okay. Glenn Howerton basically plays the same character from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Hillary Swank, uh, she's good in it. You know, I, I didn't realize it was her, but she's she's a good actress. Uh, I didn't realize it was Ethan Suppley. He was. I mean, the performances are good. They were fine. I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't terrible. the The problem that I have, the biggest problem that I have with the movie, is that it either goes too far or doesn't go far enough. Uh, and by that, I mean, I think you could make the, the for this idea. I think you could make it really good if it was subtle, uh, understated. And not quite the violence should be, you know, violent, obviously. So I don't mean that, but I mean like the message, like subtle, understated and not super overt. Or you could also make a really good movie by going way the other way and making it like almost silly, um, you know, uh, like a satire that's that's almost like a farce, uh, like that far. And I think that yeah, like World's Greatest Dad or Serial Mom kind yes. of level. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what they were kind of going for, but they didn't quite hit that right note. If John Waters had like, you know, like like you you mentioned Serial Mom, if like John Waters had directed this movie, I I could see it being m- more of the success they wanted it to be. In my opinion. <clears throat> but it's not it's not the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, for sure. No, it wasn't bad, but I mean, I, like you said, I really don't think it's necessarily like an anti-conservative like conservative thing. I mean, I don't really see why anyone would be... I don't see why it's controversial, really, is yeah. what it is. I mean, was there like a shooting near the time it happened or something? Other than that, I don't see why it would be like banned or controversial. Yeah, that's what it was. There was a couple shootings uh, before it was, was scheduled to be released, so it kept getting delayed gotcha. because of that. But, uh, I'm but, surprised uh, things still get delayed because of shootings. Right, no kidding. Yeah, it's, it's stuff like that happens and and it just goes over people's heads at this point. But um 
but no, I uh, I agree with you. I don't think it. I don't think Damon Lindelof and uh, I can't remember his first name, but Carlton Coos's uh, brother, uh, Carlton Coos, worked on one of my favorite shows of all time, uh, Briscoe County Junior. And Carlton Coos also worked on Lost with Damon Lindelof. So that's you know. Were you uh, were you gotten by the uh, um, what do you call it, Bruce Campbell prank with the uh, Briscoe County Junior? Uh... With the Briscoe County Junior, what? Yeah, on, uh, on April 1st, uh, Bruce Campbell put out like a picture of him like, you know, like at his current age and it said Briscoe County Jr., uh, the, the return. Oh, no, it I, did like not, I didn't joke. see that. I didn't see that. I would have been incredibly excited, though. But I wonder if it was just like a test, like, you know, like, oh, a lot of people reacted. Maybe we could do like a one-off on uh, Netflix or something. I hope they do. I love Briscoe County Jr. And I th- definitely think they should bring it back. But... um. But yeah, so they wrote it, and Damon Lindelof's pretty, um, like a you know pretty liberal guy. Um, but I don't think that I don't think this movie is supposed to is supposed to have a point of view politically like that. I don't think it's supposed to be like liberals are good, conservatives are bad, or conservatives are good and and liberals are bad. I mean, obviously the liberals are the villain villains in in, uh, in this movie, but I don't think it's I don't think it really. Kind of like I said, I, I mean, this is my opinion, but I don't think it, I think it's supposed to kind of say like, you know, neither of them are good. Neither. Ne- Honestly, that might be a first uh, in, in a Hollywood movie where the liberals are the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, you know, I, like I said, I wouldn't pay $20 for it, but um, eventually it'll come to Netflix or or Hulu or something. Some place will get it uh, to stream for free uh, or for your subscription price. And you know, I'd I'd, wa- I'd check it out then. Or if you can find it's it, it's a fun movie. It doesn't really offer anything new, though. I mean, yeah. in any part of it, uh, except I, again, I do think it's a very good fight sequence at the end. Yeah, with Hillary uh, Swank and uh, the other lady. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That 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 fight sequence is very well choreographed. So kudos to their fight coordinator for sure. But uh, next thing, I guess, um, I don't know. Let's talk about Louis C.K. next. Uh, We both saw, you saw it a a few weeks ago when it came out. Uh, I recently saw I want to make sure you got the money right away. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I recently saw the the Louis C.K. stand-up Sincerely Louis C.K., I think it's called. Is that the new one? You mean? Yeah, I think that's what it's called, right? Um, yeah, probably. That sounds about right. I think it's like a love letter to his fans. So it was filmed apparently in Washington D.C. because he mentions Washington D.C. Oh yeah, that's right. He does say that. Um, and you know, obviously, it was filmed a little while ago because, and he does. So he does one joke. He does. <laughs> he does this like set this uh this this series of jokes or whatever about um uh retarded the word retarded and i remember thinking i've heard this before i'm like did i did i from from louis i'm like did i hear that like is this like recycled from another special what is this and then i remembered uh somebody put uh like one like a small set that he did at like the comedy store or something like that. okay yeah, i heard about that yeah and and people were like oh louis you know touring again what a piece of shit you know and stuff like that and that was the the thing that got uh that got put on youtube or whatever and i was like oh gotcha. yeah that's why i remember that but he does that, that was a really funny segment yeah it, it is and it's it's interesting like 
One of the things that I it's, like... It's not incorrect. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I like about Louis C.K., and this is just something that good comedians are able to do, is Louis C.K. has a very certain point of view on things. And he's able to humorously explain to you his thought process and why he thinks the way he does. So it makes you think, it makes it gives you... A, a perspective, somebody else's perspective, and it makes you laugh at the same time. And and you know, uh, Chappelle, Norm Macdonald, you know, the, like the best comedians out there have inability to do that. Um, I was, I, <laughs> I just thought of, uh, I just thought of a Norm Macdonald clip I saw recently, where uh, he was. It, I think this was during his. I can't remember what it was, but what he had said, but apparently Seth Meyers was, uh, you know, upset about him. Oh, or I think I saw this exact same thing today. Where he was like, um, where he was like, well, it's not something I would he, do. He was talking about, like, uh, he was talking about how I think Eddie Murphy didn't want to play That's uh, right. Bill Cosby. That's right. It was He's like, uh, yeah, Seth Meyers was like, well, I don't think you should publicly discuss the inner workings of, you know, SNL. It's yeah. kind of private. It's not something I would do. And then, like, the, the interviewer is like, but he goes on to be complimentary of you and stuff. And he's like, say, he, Norman Gons, like, Seth Meyers, you know, like, and, and he's like, you know, what do you think? The interviewer goes, what do you think about, uh, about a show? Whose show? And <laughs> I love it that Norm gets him to gets the interviewer to say it to set him up like he 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 verbally wove that conversation so the interviewer would set him up and he goes Seth and Norm does that actually a lot I've noticed like he'll like if he's thinking of something he'll be like what huh huh what like, <laughs> yeah. to the point where like people imitating will make the same mannerisms but you know he'll give himself an extra half second and mm-hmm. it's completely worth but yeah, so he goes what whose show what show and he goes Seth Meyers show and then Norm goes. It's not something I would do. <laughs> yeah, it's a very bad show. I don't oh. know if you've ever seen it. Oh, I've seen it, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, Norm is the best. But um But so Louis CK, um overall, I thought it was uh, a fine stand-up special. Uh it's not his best, but you know, it's but, but it's his better. his worst. I don't know if that is his worst, but his his low is someone else's high. He's a master yeah. of the form of comedy. Yeah, he, he he literally can make you like laugh over the most like horrific subjects, including his own uh, sexual assault or whatever you want to call it incidents mm. that occurred. Yeah, because he 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 brings it up and he alludes to it a few times early on, and I'm thinking to myself every time he brings it up. I'm thinking like, oh, that's it. That's all he's going to say about it. But at the end, he gets into it like, you know, for an extended period of time where he, you know, he doesn't come out and say, look, you know, what happened to me was wrong or or anything like that. He doesn't. Obviously, he doesn't go that far. But he basically he says, look, you know, when you're in a position of power and, you know, you're doing sex and stuff like that, he's like, when you you ask somebody's consent and they say yes uh don't just start right away <laughs> he's like make sure are you sure you know he's like and he's like you know check in frequently that's what i've that's what i've learned um yeah he basically says that's just what he's into mm-hmm. and like he probably he probably should have checked more or asked more than once i mean i don't know i mean do you think do you, does that is that excusable so um I'll, I'll give you the perspective of my wife. Um, 
So I told Carol, I was like, I'm going to watch this for the show. You locked her into a room. <laughs> yeah. And said, you tell me, that, give me, give me some feedback on this. <laughs> uh, but so I said, uh, I said, we're going to watch the, I've got to watch this for, um, for the show. You want to watch it with me? And she goes, no, I, I don't want to watch it. Cause I don't want to support him. Cause he's like an asshole. Right. Cause she didn't really know much about the story. She's like, you know, he's a sexual assaulter, right? It's terrible. And I was like, well, I mean, it depends on what you think is sexual assault. And I said the stuff I've said on this show before, there's a continuum between, you know, uh, somebody that's never done any kind of sexual, that's never done anything, you know, untowards as far as sexual assault goes. And then, you know, Bill Cosby, serial rapist. You know, there's a continuum between those two points. And where does Louis C.K. fall in the continuum? Is he close to Harvey Weinstein? Is he closer to Aziz Ansari? You know, is where is he at? Um, we should make a scale. That'd be fun. We should. We should make a, a Me Too like, scale. <laughs> but uh, I can't remember the name of the guy. Uh, the guy who was like accused of hugging somebody. Oh, Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's in more than that. Yeah, I uh, know. Like some like uh, some like PBS person who like had just, just like hugged somebody. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You know, Al, Al Franklin to Bill Cosby. Where where does this stand? Right. Yeah. Exactly. But um, so uh, so I I read her. I went to the internet and I read her the whole rundown of the contract. To the internet. Yes. I was like to the internet, Carol, and I. Uh, so I, I read her the rundown on the entire controversy, and you know how he had asked for uh, consents, you know, and, and stuff like that, and everything. And when I was done, she was like, "Oh, well, okay, I'll watch it." She, she was like, "It's." She basically, she was like, you know, she kind of. I didn't like, you know, prompt her or anything, but she kind of came a- around to my point of view, which is like. He shouldn't have done it. It wasn't what he did in the in the um in the the form that he did it wasn't right. You know, like if you're dating somebody or or whatever. I mean, if you're not in a situation when you're at work, you know, and everything, that's probably not the place to do it. And you know, I mean, there's there's a and there were a couple instances where I think it was. I mean, I don't want to say completely fine, but where it was more appropriate, like after parties and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, stories like that, that got told. Um, I think that's more of an appropriate venue for it. But I don't think what he did was like, or all the incidences were exactly right. But I also don't think they were, that they rose to the level of this man can never earn a living again. So that's how I feel about him, basically. It's not. Sure. It's not how I would have. <laughs> it's not something I would have done. <laughs> but uh, but um, but I I uh, you know it's his kink and and you know whatever. I mean he did ask for permission. Uh, even the people, you know, who came forward said he asked for permission. So, you know, I mean, yeah, but there's always the argument, you know, that like much like with like a statutory type situation is the other person in a position to say no. Yeah. And I mean, and that's why, like, especially at the in the workplace and stuff like that, I think it's a lot more dicey because you could feel like you, you, you know, it's your boss. You could feel like you might not be able to say no. 
Uh, even if he's or not- since he's like a you know super popular, super successful comedian, like oh, if I cross him, maybe he'll ruin my chances of ever becoming. Yeah, but then I, I mean, I I understand that, and I understand that thought process, but at the same time, it's like so. If this is your kink, then you can just never do it. If you get super popular, <laughs> like right, would it and then they do say he stopped doing it as he became more popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I like I I am uncomfortable with uh, standards or laws that apply to one group of people but not to another group of people. So it's like if you're a super famous or successful person, you can't do this. But if you work at Home Depot and you ask for consent to masturbate in front of you know somebody and they say yes, then it's okay. Um, you know I, that th- guy is a nuisance. I tell you, but if you need <laughs> some tile, he knows right where it's at. <laughs> Uh, oh, you need you're doing a bathroom uh, remodeling. Like, yeah, that'll be aisle thirteen. Yeah, this is a weird question. Uh, do you mind if I masturbate in front of you? <laughs> this fence, come on, Carl. This fence needs to get whitewashed. Ah, <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah. So you know, it's it, like I said, it's an iffy situation. I understand, and I'm am 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 fine with you know consequences that he's paid for this. Uh, but I don't think he should be ostracized. He's not a social pariah to me. Uh, and apparently Carol feels the same way. But speaking of Joe Biden real quick. Oh, uh, no. There was there's a story out right now. Uh, where did he uh, make somebody uh, make him? Uh, uh, did he make somebody watch him make mushroom sauce as well? <laughs> no, he uh, apparently this woman. <laughs> this woman. Uh, had accused him of um, sexual harassment in the workplace. And then now she's saying... And he said she put the ass in sexual harassment? (laughs) That is probably something he'd say because he's known for, uh, you know, screwing up uh, with his words. Uh, But... um, (laughs) As am I. But the... uh, So now she's saying that he sexually assaulted her. And... They're like, from the story that I read, they were like, uh, we talked to the, the people that she said that she told the story to years ago, and three of them don't ever recall her saying anything about it, uh, not even the sexual harassment. And then one person's like, oh, I remember you know, her accusing him of sexual harassment uh, in a meeting, but n- never said anything about sexual assault. Um, so it seems in- uncredible to me, um, but I posted the story on Twitter and I said, believe every woman, right? Because I want, that's what we're supposed to do, right? And then I hashtagged it, me too, because I wanted all the the uh, the liberals to come out and, uh, and try to, uh, you know, contort themselves into knots. Because there was a story that had come out um, about Matt Patricia, uh, the Lions head coach, uh, a couple of years ago, I think. Um it was an old story that got dredged up again uh, where he had been accused of rape with another dude um, against he his, raped another guy. No, this girl, him oh. and him and another guy. And when you read the story and everything, it seems like basically she had a three way with the two guys and then she got slut shamed about it. And she was like, oh, well, you know, I didn't want to. And that's kind of what happened. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm saying that's how I read the situation. 
Um, but anyway, all this stuff got dredged up from from years ago. Uh, the case had been thrown out. The woman didn't when she, when the uh, the newspaper contacted her didn't have any statement. Didn't want to. Didn't want the story to come out or anything like that. Just wanted to move on with her life. Uh, but they ran the story anyway. So I wrote an article uh, for Michigan Sports and Entertainment when that used to be a thing, and basically kind of defended him or or. You know, it could be looked at as defended and basically said that this is, you know, a dumb story to come out now. It's, you know, this is, uh, you know, stupid and, and all this stuff. And I got just Twitter message after Twitter message of you're a piece of shit. We're coming for you next. Fuck you. You know, like uh, and, and believe every woman all over and over again. Believe every woman, every woman, no matter what, every woman. Uh, cause for all these liberals, all these, you know, these very tolerant liberals, when it comes to conservative, uh, politicians or people that they don't really care about sports figures, you know, movie stars, stuff like that, it's believe every woman. But when it's one of theirs, when it's a liberal politician, like with Joe Biden, all of a sudden it's going to be like, this woman's a fucking piece of shit. And she's only doing this for, it won't be believe this woman. Trust me. <laughs> And that's the point that I was trying to make by posting that article. Not that I think that, you know, Joe Biden sexually assaulted this woman because, you know, my opinion, I don't. My opinion is believe every woman is stupid. Uh, are, are, do most, are most, I don't believe every woman is stupid. <laughs> are, are most women telling the truth? Probably yes. But my point of view is look at the facts. Okay, look at the facts. But your point of view is, come on! <laughs> come on, she was asking for it, so, Your Honor. Uh, My point of view is, sometimes they do ask for it. Exactly. Like, it's, it's 1950s court, where, uh, where I'm just like, oh, look at a dress, look at the gams. We're, we're the, all smoking gams. <laughs> judge is like, case dismissed. Um, but no, look at the... This verdict brought to you by Carlton. <laughs> look at the... <laughs> Chesterfields, twenty-one tobaccos make twenty wonderful smokes. Um, look at the facts. Look at look at the credibility of the witness and everything. That Christine Blasey Ford, uh, when she accused uh, Kavanaugh of assaulting her, you know, she had told people beforehand. She testified before Congress. I looked at the facts of that and I was like, yeah, she's probably telling the truth. This fucking dude probably did this. Probably did sexually assault her. I believe that. That's what I'm talking about. You know, we're not a court of law. But, you know, that's what happens in the court of public opinion. Look at the facts and figure out what you believe. Don't just blanketly believe everybody. Look at the actual facts. That's my point of view. Anyway, so and, and with Louis C.K., it's the, it's the same thing. So, you know, they, they're saying that he asked for consent and they gave it. Uh, he says he asked for consent and they gave it. I mean, yeah, he probably shouldn't have done it, but... I don't mind um, watching his comedy special. What did you think of it overall? Of the comedy special, I itself? thought it was pretty funny. You think it would have been hilarious if uh, you knew they were going to be like filming and you were in the uh, the front of the audience and you brought like a garbage bag like a Gallagher show? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for you, Louis. And he's like, ah, he just starts whacking off. You know, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I, I've seen it. My wife and I have listened to other clips by him that I thought were funnier, but I mm -hmm. mean, 
there were some very hilarious moments, like the whole, uh, you know, R word, as we're going to call it, I suppose, yeah. segment. 100% true. I mean, that's, you know, everything he says is accurate. Mm hmm. And it really is just funny, like how like certain words just change their meaning because someone someday goes, "Oh wait, that's not good." Yeah, and and like uh, like Louis C.K. said, you know, it's it's because people started using it to mean, you know, "Oh, you're dumb" or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, you know, yeah, that's probably that's probably a stupid way to use that word, um, or a retarded way to use that word if you prefer. <laughs> See, that's the thing is like. Um, I'm sure most of our audience thinks I'm probably some intolerant asshole, but, um, but I never used, uh, you know, like, uh, gay or fag or retarded or any of those words. Like I never used those as slang ever. Um, and not because. Oh, see, I, I, I often did, but I never use it to refer to a person who is actually homosexual or somebody who actually had down syndrome. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like I, I, I never have used those words in that context because they're not, they, they don't mean that. That's not the meaning of the word when you're using it with your friend, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, I, I just never used them. Not because I was like, oh, this is bad to say this. Uh, just more like, I don't know. I just didn't, those weren't the words I gravitated towards. I, you know, son of a bitch and, uh, you know, piece of shit and piece of shit's one of my favorite, uh, things to say. Uh, if I think so, yeah. if I think someone's an asshole, I call him a piece of shit. Um, but anyway, uh, or dumb fuck, I like that one a lot too. But yeah, people gravitate towards words for you know whatever reason. And uh, there was another comedian that did uh, did a Doug Stanhope had a very similar uh, like a joke about that. How he goes, you never use that. You know, if we, he goes, you, you just use it to call your friend because he's being dumb or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was almost the exact same. Yeah. kind of thing though i don't think it was a copy it's just parallel you know it's a obvious kind of right exactly but there's like way back in the 80s there was this guy that was uh, a comedian that was like uh, talking about how um oh you know who it was it was um uh george carlin he uh he was like you know after world war one world war two uh people got shell-shocked you know and he was like and that was like a you know hard-hitting term you know he's been shell-shocked then it was uh um, combat fatigue. <laughs> He's well, yeah, yeah. I, I like how he, like, he has a lot of really good points about the softening of language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just a little fatigued, you know, and everything. And yeah, he's, you know, it's it's true uh, about how we try to make things more pleasant through language, but sometimes something shouldn't sound pleasant. You know, something sh should sound harsh because they are harsh. Yeah, that's what I like about those words is they are harsh, though I, I don't have any intention of them in the, uh, I guess, the wrong way. But, I mean, mm -hmm. they're just like, like I like uh, throwing bolts of lightning sometimes, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. And because, like, shocking, like, humor is just funny to me. Well, especially nowadays, if you, you know, if you, uh, if you say, like, if you call someone a faggot or something like that, uh, it's it's going to raise eyebrows. Oh my god, the uh, kids in the hall when they're on tour, they played the uh, song Writing Faggot at the end oh. for the encore. Every single person <laughs> in any entire place is just singing along. It was the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Like, uh, oh my god, I bet half those people were just terrified of themselves for singing the words. Right. That's awesome, though. <laughs> that, that is a, uh, one of the funniest sketches, anyways. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, he, he's a good comedian. He, he, he could just walk out there and come up with a hilarious set, I'm sure. So, I mean, how much effort? It's, he claimed he's never going to talk about the thing again. I mean, 
I don't know. It seems like a, I, 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 I don't feel that's really much of an excuse. Like, oh, I, I have a fetish. It's like, yeah, okay. You know, people have fetishes. You don't have to, you know, explore them with unwilling participants. I mean, you should assume the person's, you know, unwilling. I mean, you mm-hmm. can say, hey, uh, do you mind if I do this? And if what if they think you're joking and you start doing it? Is that okay? Is that the same thing? I mean, you're like, oh, well, you said. It's like, well, yeah, but the intent was not there. And right. I think in a lot of these, the intent was not clearly communicated or agreed upon. So, I mean, Louis could claim that he asked, but I mean, I'm sure he's an intelligent person unless he's a complete sociopath, which is an option. I'm, I'm not yeah, trying right. to be funny, but many of his jokes and concepts and stuff. I mean, you could see if he were a sociopath, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, he did masturbate I mean, you know, in I mean, between the uh, falling of the twirl traits. Yeah, yeah. And he did this, too. So, I mean, yeah. you know, he, he's got to know that, you know, if even if someone says yes, they, they don't know. They can't believe he's actually going to do it. Yeah, that is true. And it's all like he was going up to, like, famous female. I mean, you didn't hear, like, Sarah Silverman going, oh, Louie showed up and started whacking off in front of me. She actually, like, supported. I don't know if she still supports him, but, you know, she had supported him quite a bit after the scandal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not going to have to Roseanne, you know, or Phyllis Diller. <laughs> hey, Phyllis. Oh, my God, Phyllis Diller. Well, Phyllis Diller wouldn't uh, Phyllis Diller wouldn't uh, object because last time I checked, she was dead. Yes, but she might have been alive during some of this. Yeah, probably. Who knows? Uh, Cloris Leachman, she's still alive? She is. Yeah. So there you go. Cloris Leachman let Louis C.K. masturbate in front of you. I, guess, I think that's what we're saying. I think that's our point, right? Um, no. <laughs> well, that's your point, right? That's the point you're right. trying to make. My point is, I mean, he, he, there was some predatory aspect to it because it seems like mm. he always did it over, you know, in front of people who weren't as famous or more famous than he. So, I mean, yeah, he, there was some power dynamic that probably was part of it to him. That's a very good point too. You're 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 making a lot of good points here. You're making me uh, think a little bit here. Yeah, I could see the power aspect to it for sure. Which is, you know, rape, same thing. I mean, th- I, I'm, I'm I'm this isn't rape, but uh, but uh, which is kind of fun. when you think about it, uh, comedy itself has kind of that weird thing to it. Like you know, especially stand-up comedians are basically forcing somebody to react. Yeah. You know, they're shaping and they're getting the joy out of making somebody do something that the person doesn't. I mean, the person wants to laugh, but the, you can't just go, I'm going to laugh and just start laughing. You'd be like a psycho, you know? I mean, I a guess. laugh is something that basically has to be pulled out of somebody as far as stand up comedy goes. So there's a weird kind of aspect like that to that as well. And if you notice a lot of stand up comedians do tend to have more aggressive personalities. Yeah, Louis C.K. certainly knows how to pull things out. So, yes. <laughs> I can't remember who, maybe you would retweet it or you mentioned it, but it was funny that someone said, like, of course, Louis C.K., uh, you know, releases a special when no one is allowed to leave that. Right. Yeah. It's a funny line for sure. Yeah. But uh, finally, because we haven't talked about it in a while, uh, and we always. Yeah, it's, like three, it's like three weeks we're recapping it once. Yeah. And, and it's, we always come back to things we've talked about, just like Narcos. Yes. Um, uh, better call. Saul. They won. And Narcos, they won. Yeah, they did. The Narcos. In the uh, story. Yep. Narcos won. Yep. Drug dealers, zero. Uh, <laughs> well, no, the drug dealers are the Narcos. Oh. oh, no, you're right. The Narcos are the cops. The uh, the drug dealers had a lot of wins, though. I mean, you know, they 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 held in for as long as W's they could. in the column. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
anyway, so speaking of drug dealers uh, with wins, um, so I'm trying to think now. Like you said, it's been three weeks. Seamless. So the the app. The I last believe episode, the first one was KMM. Yeah, I think so. We yeah. missed. Which is uh, that's where um, uh, uh, Lalo. Uh, okay, we might be recapping something we've already recapped, but it's been a while. Um, so Lalo basically uh insists that you know he goes, hey, all I want you to do, I'm going to hire you as my attorney. All I want you to do is to get me out on bail because basically he's going to skip the country, you know, as soon as he gets out on bail. Yep. And then uh, he and then uh, Gus actually wants him also to be out on bail too. So uh, you know he, he thankfully doesn't have to you know buck against one or the other in that uh, situation, which often uh, is is something that happens to the characters on the show, uh, uh, Saul slash Jimmy and uh, Nacho especially. Yeah, and uh, Kim and Saul get married. Yep, they get married. Um, it's it's primarily to uh, to invoke the spousal privilege where. Kim wouldn't have to testify against Saul's activities or vice versa. Not that that would ever happen. Um, so yeah, they get married and it's kind of sentimental, you know, it is very businesslike, but you know, Kim gets kind of like choked up. They get a little romantic when they get back to the old house. Oh yeah. A little they... sucking, a little fucking, you know how it goes. <laughs> it's funny because, um, they seem to have such like a sexless cold relationship. Uh, yeah, we've pointed this out many times, and like I think we pointed out right before this episode came out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's just it's really weird, but it kind of changes, um, you know, as we go along. Uh, in my opinion, culminating uh, basically towards the last uh, the last scene of the the most recent episode. Um, but uh, but yeah, so Lala wants to get out on bail. Um, Mike has, uh, has, I think this was in the episode that we recapped, but Mike goes up to the woman that uh, was the witness at the, uh, the travel wire shooting and basically, you know, steers her in the direction of, Hey, this is the car, right? And gets her to call the police and everything. Um, it's, it's witness tampering on purpose. Yeah. This is a great scene. It's just Mike, you know, just like, just grown. Mm-hmm. He's like a glacier. He will just run. Eventually, he'll just crush you and make you do what he wants. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just like, much like Louis C.K. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, um, so she, um, you know, like she calls the, the, the thing, and that's why he gets, you know, in trouble like this. Um, so. And they have like a perfect description of Lalo and his vehicle. So, the- yeah. And so, so Mike, or yeah, Mike says to Jimmy, he's like, hey, you know, we want you to get him out on bail too. Here's how you're going to do it. <laughs> and he's like, uh, you know, he basically says, um, uh, Dave Clark, <laughs> like, I love that, that Mike always uses Dave Clark of the Dave Clark five as his, uh, his alias. <laughs> his detect PI, I mean. And so he, um, you know, Jimmy comes up and he's like, hey, you guys, uh, you know, we're, um, we're, uh, you know, witness tampering and everything. And that's, you know, that's why all this stuff's happening all of a sudden. And the judge looks over it. Um, you know, the, the prosecutors investigate and they have to admit, yeah, you know, we weren't aware of it, but yes, apparently somebody did, uh, talk to her that we, you know, didn't know we didn't, you know. And so the judge is like, okay, well then I'm going to allow bail, uh, $7 million worth of bail. (laughs) And so, which is kind of ridiculous. 
Yeah, that's an insane amount of money for for they don't know that this guy's a cartel dude. I know it's a murder case, but like a million dollars would I mean that'd be that'd be a ton and that seems more reasonable. Plus Jimmy Completely ridiculous since they don't know that Lalo is Lalo. He has like a fake name that he's using that they yeah. haven't uncovered yet. Jorge de Guzman. But yeah. but yeah. yeah, but regardless, uh they asked for seven million Yeah, and Lalo's dollars. Lalo's like uh yeah, no problem. He's got uh, he's got the cousins in Mexico and they're gonna pick it up, but Jimmy has got to pick it up for him and deliver it to the uh, you know the place the courthouse where they accept the the money for bail and the, the clerk or treasurer or whatever. Yeah, so uh, he tells Kim you know about all this stuff and because they're being honest with each other. And she's like, uh, you know, she's worried about it and says, you know, it's it seems like a bad idea and everything. He's like, oh, it'll be totally safe. Don't worry about it. You know, so he goes out to the the desert and picks up the money from the cousins uh, almost immediately starts getting tailed. <laughs> and it's bad news because uh, the guys stop. They see the money. Uh, they. uh you know, they're going to kill Jimmy. They're about to kill Jimmy. All of a sudden, shots fire out, and they're getting riddled with bullets. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy takes cover. It's a horrific firefight. Uh, it ends with one guy getting away in a, in a car. Uh, and Mike comes down. Mike's been following him the whole time, apparently, uh, just keeping an eye on Jimmy. And um, he's killed all the people from his uh, from his perch, except for the one that got away. And he says, uh, "Yeah, you know, I find that a bit ridiculous. I mean, I know Mike's like a trained, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. not—he's not really a trained killer. He was a police officer. It's not like he was right. like a Navy SEAL or anything, you know." Yeah, it is. But he's like kind of weird. Best shot with like a sniper rifle, an assault rifle, a pistol. It's a little much. Yeah, he's—I I like Mike's character a lot, but they do—they do go overboard with him a little bit. Um. But yeah, so he, um, you know, he picks up Jimmy. They start driving his car, but the car, uh, you know, uh, the alternator got a fucking bullet in it, as did his uh, world's second best lawyer mug that Kim gave him. And he takes it with him anyway because, you know, it's a gift from Kim, so it's sentimental value. And then um, they got to start walking. They got to keep off the road. Really? I, I, th- I think you missed something here. Did you, uh, did you uh, realize that... Uh... When Mike, uh, they, they push the car to a ravine or a little like crack or whatever, but before yeah. they do that, Mike gas cap out. Do you remember earlier in one of the earlier seasons or episodes, uh, Mike put a tracker on the oh, gas cap? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's how he knew where he was. He was tracking him with this, uh, you know, this gas cap. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, because he didn't want whoever was shopping to realize that this car was being tracked by somebody. Right. Yeah. And I don't think Jimmy noticed it either. So, so he, they start walking and, um, they got to stay off the road because that one guy got away and he's going to become, you know, circling around looking for him, which sure enough, he does. It's $7 million, of course. Right. So they, um, this episode, this episode, which takes place mostly it's Mike and Jimmy walking through the desert is an excellent episode. Uh, great 
atmosphere. Yeah, one of the best of the whole series. Yeah, great atmosphere. Uh, you know, some great conversations between uh, Mike and Jimmy. Uh there's there's not a whole lot to say about it other than you really have to see it to be able to appreciate the episode, and it's fantastic. Yeah, imagine the dialogue. If the dialogue is a hundred lines of dialogue, I'd be shocked. Yeah, the one. I mean, the biggest speech basically that Mike gives is you know Jimmy's getting ready to quit. Uh, he uh, you know they're they're out, they're almost out of water. Um, Jimmy's got to go to the bathroom, and Mike's like. You better not waste that. You better be into this fucking thing because you're going to want to drink that later. Um, and uh, so, you know, he does pee in it, but he's like, he's getting ready to give up. He's fucking done. He's tired. He's sunburned. Uh, he's just ready to die. And yeah, another, another fun part is when they go to sleep, uh, um, Mike has like these space yes. blankets. Yes. And it reminds, it clearly reminds Jimmy of Chuck. So oh, he's just yeah. really weirded out by the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could definitely. I. I I Carol and I talked extensively about how, uh, you know, how that had to be like just fucking weird as shit for Jimmy. Yeah, they're very, very good acting from Bob Odenkirk in this mm-hmm. whole episode. Actually, all three of these episodes coming up. Oh, yeah. But so he says, he says to Mike, like, how can you keep going? And Mike says, um, because I have people. I have people out there that, you know, they're not in the game. They're never going to know what I do. They're never going to know. Uh, where I get my money from. But if I can provide for them, if I can give them a better life, you know, that's what I'm here for. So Mike's living for. for about that? Huh? Do you, I, I think that's from when Gus talked to him at the end of that episode. Because mm-hmm. remember what, what Gus says to Walt to really convince him to be in the game? He says, a man provides. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that's literally what Mike says. That's what keeps him going, you know, because Mike was like depressed. He wanted to drop out. He mm-hmm. stopped responding to Gus, you know. I mean, that's probably Gus gave him the same fucking speech he gave Walter White about that. Yep. I agree. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with that. I think, you know, he, he probably told him what happened to, you know, his lover and stuff like that and everything. And he says, you know, look, you, you know, I know what happened to someone that you cared about. Because, uh, like we said, I'm sure he, he's done research on him. And said, oh, for sure, he knows about his son. And said, you know, you've got this daughter-in-law, you've got this granddaughter. Um, you know, and like you said, a man provides. You know, I'm sure he said it's almost word for word the same thing. And in Breaking Bad, we see that, of course, Mike has been doing nothing but saving tons and tons and tons of money for Kaylee, his granddaughter. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um. But yeah. So so Jimmy. You know, gets up. He, I'm obviously he's thinking of Kim. He gets up and and, and keeps going, and uh, he grabs one of the space blankets because the the guy's back in the truck in the car, and he's like, you know, fuck this. And I can see what he's thinking. He's thinking like, you know, Mike, because uh, he says to Mike, you know, get ready with that thing with the gun he's got. He's like, you know, Mike, uh, you know, you shoot him, we'll take the fucking car and we'll get out of here. And he, uh, you know, he's flashing this. Uh, the space blanket catching the sunlight, holding the money, trying to get the guy to come. The guy starts driving down the road, and now all of a sudden, Mike's not the best shot in the world because <laughs> he's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking shooting guys, running with guns, shooting at him. Mm-hmm. He's you know shooting through cars. He's shooting under cars. He's shooting around tires. But one car moving slowly. Uh, no, he can't do that. Yeah, so he's trying to shoot him. Can't get him. He knows that this is how I interpret it anyway. He knows that the the 
truck's going to hit Jimmy. So he, he shoots out the tire. So it flips and, uh, you know, and doesn't kill Jimmy. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the water that the guy's carrying to also split open and spilled out all over the place. So the episode ends with Jimmy having to drink his own piss, and then they keep uh, they keep walking. Great. Oh, also in this episode, real quick, Kim goes to see Lalo because she knows she can't go to the yes. police, but she goes to see Lalo um, because she wants to to find out what is going on, you know, like what, yeah. Cause uh, Jimmy has not returned in like 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Mike points out that, you know, she's in the game now cause she's talked to Lala. All right. Which yeah, she, and the next steps. Oh, good. I was just gonna say, which she kind of is as we find out, which sucks, but for Kim, cause it probably is not going to end well for her. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm so, I, I still, I'm still thinking that Kim will be married to uh, Saul. Like she was married the whole time is my guess. Like that, during Breaking Bad. That would be, int- it would be definitely interesting if that is the case. Um, yeah, because in this, in this, uh, we get kind of an idea of a timeline because we know Tuco, or that's later, but we find out when Tuco's getting out of prison. So yep. we can kind of guess how far it is until Breaking Bad. But yeah, so the next episode starts in the desert still. Uh, there's still no signal. Uh, you know, they're sunburned, beaten, blistered, uh, dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy still drinking his own piss, which, for what I've heard, is not as bad as it sounds. I, I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to try it, but it doesn't sound like it's the end of the world. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like you, I've never drank my own piss, but um, but I've heard it basically just kind of tastes like slightly salty water. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so there. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, there's a sequence at the beginning, a really nice sequence with uh, Jimmy and uh, and Kim. Like they're both kind of like uh, you know trying to figure out. You know, they're kind of frantically like moving about. You know, and it's a lot of like shots comparing them to each other. It's a really nice sequence. Yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden, Jimmy gets a phone signal. He calls Kim, and uh, you know she's you know she you know is assured that he's okay. He'll be fine. And then as soon as she gets off the phone, she finally lets herself cry. She's been like mm-hmm. holding her emotions steady this whole time. Fantastic uh, Mike, acting from Rhea. Rhea yeah, she out. she is very very good in this oh, show. Yes. I mean, the whole, we mentioned this before. Anybody in the cast is worthy of some any kind of award. There, mm-hmm. it's an amazing cast, amazing yeah. acting, amazing writing, directing. It's it's the best show on TV by quite a bit. Yep, absolutely. And, I, and again, I, I I do think it's superior in a lot of ways to Breaking Bad, though. I I think Breaking Bad, I like that it's more action. I guess mm-hmm. it's a little faster, right? Um, but this is uh it's just an amazing drama. Um, yeah. So we we get the you know she starts crying. Uh, Mike's uh guys pick him up. Um, I I forget their names. Um, one of them is Tyrus and somebody. yeah, is it Tyrus and the other guy? Um. So they pick him up, and uh, let's see. Mike's uh, Mike's saying, "Hey, you got to get your story straight here, you know. Say what you know, and then uh, in case anybody asks, you won't let Jim Jim go to sleep. They drop him off directly at the uh, mm-hmm. the bond office or whatever it is. He just has these giant duffel bags full of cash. Yeah, and he just sits there on the couch. He comes in and he's like uh, Jorge de Guzman, and the woman looks it up in the uh, in the computer, and she looks up and she goes." seven million dollars and he puts it up on there they start cut it's it's several of them counting it uh carol asked me she was like how long do you think it would take them to count them and i said with those machines probably a couple hours 
And according to Jimmy's story later, I was yeah. right. It was a couple hours. I don't think it would take a super crazy long time. No, no. I mean, there. She goes, "Oh yeah, here, here's a little, here's the extra." It was the. Did you mention that he he negotiated a fee of a hundred thousand dollars to deliver this? No, yeah, we forgot that. But yes, a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you were kind of breaking up. Then I was just. Yeah, he he, you know, his he. Mm-hmm. When he he goes, yeah, I can't do it. He goes, well, well, I could, but I need some kind of compensation, and it's. It's like nothing to Lalo. He just, you know, oh, so yeah. he makes like a hundred for what he thought would be a super easy job. I mean, he makes a hundred thousand dollars for like a two grueling days of. Right. Yeah. Carol asked me, she was like, do you think that's worth it? Like, would you put, if you knew you had to put yourself through that, would you do it for a hundred thousand dollars? And I was like, ugh, I don't know. Like physically. I mean, if you knew you'd survive, I would say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, physically it's one thing. But let's say you didn't know if you were, yeah, because that, like you just said, let's let's say you didn't know if you were going to survive. Like mentally, thinking that you know you're on the verge of death and you're probably going to die out there, uh, I don't know if that's worth it at all. But yeah, if, if yeah, you, see, what if you knew? What if you were guaranteed to sur- survive it, but you know you'd see people murdered in front of you? You'd have to spend a night in like the freezing cold desert. You'd have to be walking for dozens of miles in the blistering hot sun would that be worth it i don't know i mean it's a hundred you had the brief pleasure of hunting men for sport which i mean obviously that would be you know pretty valuable in itself right exactly (laughs) i mean it's uh it's tempting hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money um but uh you know i don't know like uh i'll tell you what if one of the sponsors out there wants to pay us a hundred thousand (laughs) dollars to uh, walk through the desert and make a video about it maybe we'll do that (laughs) Um, but anyway, so yeah, they, they get back, uh, it was a horse (laughs) deal with it. They get to, uh, they get to a gas station and, um, and, uh, you know, they, they get a cab and they, they come back in, like you said. And, uh, so then Lalo, you know, asks him, Hey, you know, what's, what's going on. And basically he tells him my car broke down like six or seven miles away from it or there. And I had to walk, uh, in the desert. I went North, um, you know, which probably was a mistake, but I was all turned around and everything eventually got to the gas station. So that's the story that Mike told him to tell him. I'm not sure exactly why, or at least I wasn't sure exactly why Mike didn't just tell him, hey, say you were attacked and you got away or whatever. Um, although I guess if uh, if he had told if he had told Lalo that he'd been attacked by people trying to get the money, then Lalo's, que- Lalo's question would have been, how'd you get away? You couldn't have gun down a bunch of people by yourself right he would he would definitely have known that um so he uh you know he uh he gets home um and this is like this is this whole episode is where we can kind of see uh how much like uh she really cares about kim really cares about jimmy um in my opinion, anyway, with her breaking down in tears, and then she, you know, she calls in sick so that uh, she can take care of him and everything. We see he's got—I mistakenly called it PTSD. My wife, who is a, a social worker, uh, said, "No, that's not uh, PTSD." Said it was shell shock. <laughs> no, no. She goes, uh, she goes. That's just normal stress. She goes, it's not a disorder. She goes, that's post-traumatic stress, but it's not a disorder until it's been three months. She's like, that's just normal stress from from uh from going through a trauma everyone probably would respond that way uh you know 
up to three months after it. She's like, it's not a, it's not a mental disorder or anything until it's been more than three months. So I was like, okay. It feels like a, it feels like a lot of that stuff, like like depression. Like you're not actually depressed, like clinically, until you've been feeling the same way for like you know months. Like I know somebody who like you know went through like a bad breakup, and they're like, oh, I should go to the doctor and get you know pills because I'm depressed. And I'm like, well, no. I mean, that's normally how you should feel mm-hmm. after like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's just how it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, wait, and if you're still feeling this way in a couple months, you know, and sure enough, in a couple months, it was still painful, but not to the point where you just want some immediate relief. Because I think a lot of those pills take a while to build up anyway. So even mm-hmm. if it would help, it would take a few, you know, it would take probably as long as it would take to get over it naturally. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, uh, Mike points that out in the episode, too, actually, when Jimmy's talking to him and he's like, you know, when is this going to. When is when am I going to get better? Basically, is what he says. When is this not going to to feel like this? And Mike says, you know, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to drink your coffee and go to the bathroom or whatever, and you're going to realize you haven't thought about it, and then you're going to realize you can forget, and then that's when you start to get better. Basically, is is what he says. And um, yeah, we see a lot of nice like parts for, of Mike in these few mm-hmm. episodes. He's you know very thoughtful. I mean, wise. I mean, he's obviously the strong, silent type, but he, he's a very well thought out character. Like mm-hmm. you know, both internally and externally. I mean, very great job writing this character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, you know, Lalo gets out. Lalo's plan is he's going to go to Mexico. He's going to skip town. Uh, eventually, first he's going to visit his uncle Hector. Yeah, exactly. And he's as he and says. That's to, where he said. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, as he says to Hector, he says, you know, uh, maybe it'll take a year, but eventually the heat will die down. I'll be able to come back. Everything will be okay. And uh, you know, Nacho and the guys will will get you whatever you want. And as you pointed out, this is when he mentions Tuco. He goes, Tuco will be out in 11 months. So I meant he basically is saying goodbye to Hector. He 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 realizes that Nacho will be able to help you know help out mm-hmm. until uh, Tuco. Tuco gets out, and then you know that'll fill the Salamanca gap up here. Yeah, and and he basically gives us the timeline of, and th- that's what I said to Carol too when we were watching. I was like, oh, now we know about when Breaking Bad comes in because we know that when Walter starts, um, what's his name, Crazy Eight, is like uh, you know being the distributor in the area, and um, you know Tuco had basically just gotten out. Um, you know, as Breaking Bad starts going. So it's probably about a year or so until Breaking Bad starts. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, so yeah, we know it's not too too long. That's kind of neat to see the timeline. Um, Mike and uh, Gus have a discussion about what happened at the whole robbery thing. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, Mike tells me, he goes, hey, I saw this symbol, actually, and I want to, you know, I want to show you what it is. Maybe you might know what it is. He draws mm-hmm. it out. Apparently, it's like some Colombian, like, uh, you know, mafia type, you know, situation or like, you know, a drug cartel and they do like these kind of hits for people. Yep. And then, uh, uh Gus kind of figures out who, who might've called them on this. And mm-hmm. like, is it Don Lario? I don't remember the name of the, the Donnie calls. It's, it's one of the, one of the guys we've seen before breaking bed. Yeah. It's the, I can't remember what his name is, but it's, it's not Donnie Lado. It's, um, it's one of the other ones in, in Mexico. Uh, he gets him by, uh, the police come in and, and kill him. 
uh, you know, on yeah. Gus's orders, basically. But I can't remember his yeah, name. But Gus but, is yeah. talking to him. He goes, he goes, yeah, you know, uh, I was worried about that problem because he's he's a Gus supporter, actually. Mm-hmm. It seems like one of the very few people who actually support Gus. Yep. He was worried that, you know, if if he was trying to help Gus out because he didn't want uh, Lalo to get out of jail, you know, because he knew he kind of was trying to fuck his shit up up there. Right. Yeah, and that, and that Gus says to Mike at this point, everything we do must be completely unimpeachable. Nothing can come back on me. We have to be super careful from this point forward. Right. Um, and then so we, uh, we we go back and we see um, uh, Don, or we see Lalo is uh, mm-hmm. going to Mexico. Yep. And he just happens to pass by the road uh, where, you know, he knew that the his, his cousins had mm-hmm. met up with him. Yep. So so he drives down there and he finds Jimmy's car and he sees bullet holes in there and it's like in the ravine. It's not left by the road, broken down exactly mm-hmm. as he described. Right. Yeah. And and uh, tied into this earlier in the episode, um, Kim asks him if it was worth it, you know, and he says, "Oh, go look in the bag," and she looks in the bag and sees a bullet hole through the you know world's second best lawyer mug. Uh, So we know that she knows what's going on. And it pisses me off so much, too. Like, I was screaming at the screen because Jimmy lies to her, you know, and everything. And then um, she gives him an opening. She says, look, I know that something bad happened in the desert. And I'm not asking you. You don't have to tell me. I'm not asking you to, like, this isn't like, hey, you've got to tell me everything situation. Um... This is just, I'm here for you, and you can tell me whatever you need to tell me. It's okay. I won't judge you. Um, And she's like, she's basically just like saying, like, look, you know, she's giving him all the passes in the world, and he still doesn't tell her, and it just pisses me off. It's like, open yourself up. And this is what he tells me, because I'm in the game. I don't want you to be in the game. She's like, in the game? What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Right, yeah. And then she tells him uh, what we see her do earlier in the episode that she quit um, the firm she worked for. Yeah, uh, and, you know, finally Schweikert she's like, I'm just gonna, yeah, she's like, I'm just going to do what I want. I have pro bono clients, mm-hmm. you know. She's made enough money. And then Jimmy just goes off on her. He's like, uh, he's like, what do you mean? Uh, you know, you did this because you know you're the breadwinner. You can't just make this. It's basically like the most ridiculous person ever arguing with. Yeah, yeah, it was totally stupid. That that's like he's completely wrong in that situation too, where he's yeah, like another example of him flying off the rails earlier. He like when when he had his day off, he rushed to court the same day that Kim, you know, she went to her work and quit, mm-hmm. and he just lost by the opposing counsel on the case, which was is not normal for Jimmy McGill. No. Slash- yeah. Uh so because Lalo saw this stuff and he sees the bullet hole. He comes to the apartment and, um, you know, he's like, uh, hey, uh, you know, hey, I just oh, want to actually, no, no, a little bit out of order here. Yeah, good. Like on the way there, like all of a sudden Mike calls uh, Jimmy. Oh, yes. Yes. And he, he goes, he goes, hey, he goes, hide this phone somewhere where, you know, no one will see it, but keep it on so I can hear it. He's like, what? And all of a sudden, like the door, you know, the mm-hmm. door gets a knock at it. Yeah, and he's like, do it. Just do it right now. And you can see, like, we cut to Mike very briefly, and it looks like he's in a horror movie or something like that because it's all dark around him driving in the car, and it just looks like he is fucking tearing ass to get there. Yes. Um, 
And, you know, obviously Gus and Mike or just Mike, I don't know. But for whatever reason, they really want Jimmy alive um, because, uh, you yes. know, like he comes like so he comes there. Lalo starts talking to him. He's like, calm down. You know, calm down. We're just going to have a talk. Lalo's got a gun on him, which is very visible. Um, and then we cut and we see Mike across the street with his uh, sniper rifle. And like I told Carol, I was like, he's just waiting. He's just waiting for Lalo to reach for that gun. And as soon as he does, he's going to shoot him. Um, but I wonder, is he a good shot now or a bad shot? Which, right, which, exactly. uh, which Mike is it? Would he accidentally hit uh, Kim? Um, yeah, I was kind of thinking that might happen too. I was, I was concerned that Kim was going to get killed. Uh, in this episode, obviously we know Jimmy's not going to, but, uh, but yeah, I was, I was concerned for Kim's life. So he, you know, Lalo plays a little game with him where he's basically like, tell me the story. Tell me what happened. Uh, got, or, uh, not Gus. Um, Jimmy sticks to his story, uh, you know, tells him what happened the way that, you know, he told him originally, he's like, tell me again. He, He basically tells him three times and he's like, I don't know what you're getting at. I don't know what you want. And then Lalo's like, I found your car. Um, you know, it didn't, uh, it wasn't on the road. Like you said, it was, it was pushed in a ditch and there was a bullet hole in it. Why don't you explain that? And then Kim just goes off at him. Now keep in mind, Kim saw the bullet hole in the cup. She probably, she knows something like that happened out there, but yeah, yeah. He, I mean, Jimmy actually, before this, he like repeats the exact same story over and over. And each time he repeats mm-hmm. it, he has a more embarrassing detail. Like mm-hmm. he makes it sound like the, he was a, he didn't want to tell him because like he like he drank his own piss. Right. Yeah. It's a very prominent detail, but yeah, like, and then Kim just like gets all over his ass. Oh yeah. She's like a bullet hole. She's like, I can't leave a can around here without some kid taking a shot at it. And you, you don't think it's possible that someone could have pushed the car in in there and taken some pot shots at some junk old car. Are you fucking kidding me? And she's like, um, she's like, your problem is that you need to get your house in order. If you don't have anyone that you can trust to pick up this money other than, uh, than Saul, that's a big ass problem, isn't it? And that's, your friend and, and like she totally goes off on him and he's like he just kind of sits there he looks at her and he's like okay and he just leaves um yeah. and he goes down to nacho and he's like okay we're going to mexico uh let's go and he's like oh you want me to drop you off with the cousins and he's like no you're taking me all the way change of plans <laughs> right which is curious <laughs> and not what nacho wants at all mike you know mike uh yeah, i can't remember yeah, if nacho this... had asked to be let go earlier yeah. since you know lalo was you know finally being taken care of and mike made an appeal to gus and gus mm-hmm. was like no and gus actually made a good point he's like well this guy let's see he tried to kill his one boss mm-hmm. and his other boss he you know he basically set up so why would i you know get scared? yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah mike tries to make an appeal but it it doesn't work uh and then yeah and that's basically where the episode ends and that's uh you know what we're prepared for the season finale is uh next week and i am uh or you know later uh, next week but you're gonna be the one finale but i i'm pumped yeah it should be a good episode and then uh one more season and uh i think that yeah that makes sense with the timeline wise that makes sense too 
And then what's the next? Uh, I hope the next spinoff is Badger and a Skinny Pete just going around like solving crime. I would fucking love. I honestly, whatever they do with Badger and Skinny Pete, I would watch. I don't care if it's the. I don't care if it's a Scooby Doo remake. Uh, they could do. Yes. They could just do that episode of Star Trek that they that they talk about that they wrote. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Anything they want to do, I would absolutely with, watch. With, with the uh, soundtrack by Twathammer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah one of my fa- oh, we, we, <laughs> one of my favorite parts of breaking bad is you know badgers playing the guitar you know badly and stuff like that and then skinny pete's on the piano and it's like he's going through uh, all the stuff this might be an outtake i'm not even sure but he's playing this like amazing like concerto on uh the the keyboard and badger just like goes we get it you're better <laughs> <laughs> No, that wasn't an outtake. Yeah, they say the guy actually played that. He's actually like a really good pianist. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, my favorite line though. Uh, That's like a cool little moment. It's like, wow, what the fuck happened to this guy? I, yeah, exactly. My favorite line though, I think ever from Breaking Bad is uh, when um, when Walt says it relates to something we talked about. When Walt says we need somebody that can take a lot of our drugs and then they just sell it. You know, we just manufacture. He's like, and he's like, do you know anyone like that? And he goes, like a distributor. He's like, yeah, you know anyone like that? He goes, yeah, yeah, I did. You killed him. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, good, good episode. Um, I think that I, I might have liked this up, ep- the most recent episode, even better than the one before it. And the one before it was fantastic. Yeah, were, it was like three great episodes in a row. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that is uh, that is our episode for the day. We've gone very long, but um, we uh, we got excited and we had a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, but we will uh, we will see you next week. Bye.